Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book to Earth, Chapter 6, The Blind Bandit. Can I just say, it is only excellent episodes from here. And this is one of them. Yes. This is this is one that, that uh, is going to take the show in a different direction. This episode does something that hasn't happened yet. Um, which is really exciting, and I can you can just feel the the richness of where this is heading yes. dripping off the back half of this episode. And it's an episode that doesn't have Zuko in it, mm-hmm. which I feel like we should say at the start so that no one feels like where is Zuko, but to say this is a really good episode and it doesn't have him. You know what I like about it too is it's sort of nice. It's definitely nice in in terms of taking notes to prepare for this. <laughs> yes, but it's sort of nice when it's like oh we don't have a B plot. Yeah. Like, it's just like, this is just, there is one plot in this yep. episode. It's nice when they do so well of paralleling those two plots mm-hmm. at once and resolving them at the same time. But it, you're right. It is nice to have one story, mm-hmm. I think. All right. So let's dive into this. Yeah. So uh, we open with the Aang gang that uh, they're in an Earth Kingdom city and they're browsing some shops. I feel like this has been a, a comfortable scene for us for a couple of episodes. I love the shopping and I love the fact that they have, uh, clearly this is coming out of their encounter at the north pole like the last couple episodes like they have money yeah like it doesn't seem like money's an issue now now it's water money still but they'll take it but yeah but last season there was definitely moments where they were out of money they got money from boomy and then they ran out of money they're clearly at a, a boom moment right now in yes. terms of in terms of money and they are shopping for fun it mm-hmm. seems because Sokka is being indecisive about whether he wants to buy this new bag that's like uh, the green color of the the Earth Kingdom green. Yeah. So do you do you resonate with Sokka? Oh, here? so Mike and I were watching this, and he was like, "This is you. This I'm the person who will go to a store, pick something up, walk around the store with it still in my hand, and I won't make a decision until I'm about to leave, like twenty mm. minutes later. Is that what you're like too? Yes, and I do this even in online shopping. I will have, yes. I will put it in the cart. I will look at it in the cart. I will leave. I'll come back. I'll see it's in the cart. I'll take it out. I'll put it back in. The worst part is when you come back days later and you're like, it saved my cart. And and it's like, oh, I did want that. And I still want that. And somehow I had convinced myself that I didn't need it. But now here we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely... Definitely 100% connected. Do you like, do you go to Anne or other people in your family and you're like, should I do it? Should I get it? Because that's no, me too. Because I don't want to be that guy. Like, uh, like it, it's all internal agony. Internal struggle. Yeah. No, it is though. Like, like, I'm somebody who I will, certain things I will just buy. Mm. I actually think online shopping has helped me with this um, because I don't have to interact with the person. So I feel like I'm more inclined to do some of that stuff. But I, there'll be small things that I won't, that I'll be like, I don't know if I need this. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's $7. Like, I should just buy the thing. Right. You know, but but there's also, I also will do this with big things as well. I'm, I just don't, uh, I, I'm better than I used to be, but I used to like hem and haw over everything. Ah, uh, that's Mike. Yeah, for me, I, I still, I'll still do the buy-in, but <laughs> I need everyone to agree with me that it's a good choice. It's much easier to buy something if it's not for me. But that's yes. what's interesting about Sokka is it's like, should I should I get this for myself? And they're trying to convince him he should. And yeah. I love it. Yes. They're like, treat yourself. And so um, he's like, it's pricey, but I like it. And You Guitar- know what Iroh would say. 
Oh. <laughs> Iroh would just buy it. He'd buy two. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he'd somehow get a deal on both of them. That's right. Just for being who he is. So Katara's like trying to help him. And you're right. Aang and Katara are both there to be like, buy it. Aang is sitting on the ground. It feels like they've been shopping for a while. And Katara's like, you deserve something nice. And Sokka's like, I do, don't I? But no, I, sh- I shouldn't. And Katara's patience has run dry. So she grabs Aang off the floor and they start to walk off. And Sokka walks after them. And then abruptly turns around and just buys it. So he bought this new belt or new bag. This is great, like sibling interaction too. I liked it a lot. Me too. Um, and then as Katara and Aang are waiting for Sokka to make the purchase, there's a man in kind of like gray clothes who stands out from the rest of the crowd. And he comes up to Katara and Aang and Momo and asks, do they like earthbending? Do you like throwing rocks? It's <laughs> a cool question. Do you like throwing rocks, Sam? No. Really? No. Not even into, uh, a po- into a pond? Yeah, skipping stone. Yeah, okay, what am I saying? I yeah, right. It. I, it's I fun. It. Yeah. It's fun. So he hands them pamphlets, and it has a free coupon for Master Yu's Earthbending Academy. And at that, Guitar and Aang are like, hey, we might find you a master. And talk about getting a deal, right, if it has a coupon. Yes, Iroh would say, go for it. That's right. So then we cut to Aang, and he's standing in this courtyard of the academy. And he's wearing um, all Earth Kingdom clothes now and a hat. Looks pretty good on him. The Actually, boy re- can rock a lot of looks. I really like that Aang, we see him shift clothes around. And that clothes is part of it. Yes. It's like another parallel with him and Zuko. Always yeah, changing outfits. Right. Oh, I like it. Um, so... He does look out of place, though. Even with the getup, he looks out of place because he is years older than the other kids in the class. A full head taller. Oh, absolutely. So they're several years younger. At the same time, he's, like, picking in his ear and, like, very distracted. And these younger kids are standing at attention waiting for the next instruction. And so the students are assembled across from one another, kind of in two lines facing each other. And Master Yu comes walking down the center aisle. And uh, he he has like long silky brown hair and uh, a top bun and long facial hair, like looks put together. Mm -hmm. And he says, strike as if you're punching through your opponent's head. And Master Yu does a punching motion. And then the students on one side of the courtyard mimic him. And they send like boulders flying at the other line. Uh, across the way and Aang's partner uh, hits him square in the stomach. Aang is not ready. He doesn't know how to defend himself. So he flies then uh, into the ground behind him. Aren't you glad that Aang's instincts didn't snap in there though? Because he would have taken that kid out. Oh yeah. If he used airbending? Yes, for sure. Uh, And Master Yu comes up to him as he's laying on the ground and he's like, so are you ready to commit to more lessons? And it just feels like a money grab. Like it's Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the uh, the Rex Quando scenes from Napoleon Dynamite, right? Where they come in for the free first yes. lesson and it's like, that's it. And then he's going to pitch his eight-week program. I have not thought about that in so long. Yes, exactly. So the class ends. The kids all exit the courtyard and Aang meets up with Sokka and Katara who are sitting outside waiting for him. And Aang just goes, he's not the one. He knows right away. But they overhear two teenage boys that are chatting and walking past them. They look to be about Sokka's age. Sure. Maybe Sokka Katara's age. Seem like the cool boys. And um, they say, I think the boulder is going to win back uh, the belt at Earth Rumble 6. And I, at that, had to make sure I rewound and heard that right. Earth Rumble 6. And the other boy said, he's going to have to fight his way through the best earthbenders in the world to even get a shot at the champ. 
And Aang's ears perk up and he runs after the boys and he asks them how he can go see this tournament, this Earth Rumble 6. And one of the boys goes, it's on the island of Nunya. Nunya business. I loved it. It's a good one. <laughs> I love it. Have those. you used that one before, Sam? I've used versions of that, yeah. Mike says that to me all the time just to get me angry. So why did your ears prick up at Earth Rumble 6 or why did you? It sounded out of place. Okay. Like, doesn't it? I mean, we, we learn it's a tournament, but like, yeah, we I mean, haven't seen anything like that in this world. Right, right. Well, have yeah, we? I'm trying to think. No, we haven't. You're right. Yeah. We've we've heard of Aang um, doing sports in the Southern Air Temple. Yeah, right? games um, and stuff. But yeah, but never like a a big tournament. Yeah, it, yeah. It I mean, I definitely me. thought of like the Royal Rumble, and this is gonna, right yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, uh, they they clearly don't want to tell him what where it is. It's on the island of Nanya Business, and uh, Sokka is impressed by the joke, and he's like, "Huh, I got to store that one away for later." And Katara tells Aang, you know, don't worry, I'm going to get that information for you. And so she chases after the boys who turn around a corner down an alley and she yells, hey, strong guys, wait up. Great line. (laughs) And as Katara is trying to talk to these boys, we have a small scene of Sokka and Aang and Sokka's still anguishing over his purchase. What was I thinking? I don't need a new bag. Why'd you let me buy this? Also something I do where I blame the person who's Ah, like, yeah, go for it. Uh, he drops it to the ground, and then Momo promptly settles in it like a kitten. It's a perfect like a Momo-sized bag, too. Oh, yeah. He starts purring even in the bag. So then Katara runs back triumphantly, and she says, I know where the tournament is. And they're like, how did you figure that out? And she's like, a girl's got her ways. And then the camera pans to the two boys who are stuck in ice, like above ground, facing each other against the wall in an alleyway. I love it's a it's a move that this show likes to make, which is somebody goes around a corner, something happens, and then later you figure out what it was. And it's like, usually really funny. They never let you see it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The timing is great. So um, the Aang gang are excited to go to Earth Rumble Six, and we see them entering uh, the crowded and giant arena of of the Rumble, and they sit in this front row section, and they're like wondering why no one else is sitting in the front row because it is packed, but then. I described it as an oppa-sized boulder, seemed about oppa-sized, yeah, yeah. flies at them and smashes into the seated section right next to them. It's like the no-splash zone, essentially, right? right. Or is it the splash zone? It would zone? be the splash zone, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except that it's boulders and not water. <laughs> right. <laughs> no-splash is a little different. And then Sokka's like, oh, I guess, I guess that's why. That's why no one's here. And then smoke and dust fills the center stage. And we see a muscular earthbending man emerge from inside the stage. He's like bending his way out from Mm -hmm. underneath it. Um, And he welcomes the audience to Earth Rumble 6. And in the audience, Momo's watching. Sokka is thrilled. This is his kind of thing. He is so excited. Aang is kind of just staring in awe. And then Katara is slouched over. She's like looking at her nails and she's like, when is this going to be over? She says, this is just going to be a bunch of guys chucking rocks at each other, isn't it? Should totally be my attitude. Sock is like, that's what I signed up for. Yes, exactly. That is me at any sport event, and it is not fun for anyone. So never go to one with me, Sam. Have we been to a sporting event together? I don't think so. We have been to the the theater. Yes, very much more exciting for me. <laughs> so the uh, the guy in the center stage, he's the announcer. I called him. I don't really, I don't know sport words. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, he. I. I think he's the. Uh, 
Is there a term? It is like the like the the ring announcer is what yeah. we would call it in boxing. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to help yeah. fill in some of those terms. His name is Jin Fu, and he says the rules are simple: just knock the other guy out of the ring, and you win. And he exits the stage, and the bell rings, and round one begins. Round one is the boulder versus the big bad hippo. And the two opponents take the stage, and one of them has rippling muscles, who's the boulder, and the other one is, I described as the body of a sumo wrestler, but so tall. Um, and he has the teeth of a hippo. I'm going to tell you, uh, did this character bring anything to mind? The big bad hippo or the boulder? The big bad hippo. No. Um, did the boulder? No, just Mike was talking about the rock. That's what I thought of with 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 the bowler. I mean, he he kind of has. He's pretty charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's built like the rock. He's mm-hmm. he the the rock is famous for not just being like this huge person, muscular person, but like he's a really good talker. Yes, and the boulder is a really good talker. So, and even the name, the boulder, the rock, like this is clearly like their. It's mm-hmm. a parody of that. We were thinking, like, I wonder if they tried to get The Rock to do the voice. Because he's done voice acting. But perhaps they can get it in there. Like, we're just going to do The Boulder. Okay. So, clearly, clearly, I think The Boulder is based on The Rock. But I think that The Big Bad Hippo is mm. also based on somebody. And, again, if this is if these people are really children of the 80s, I'm going to turn my computer screen here <laughs> okay. to show you. I have no idea. This is a character uh, in the Nintendo universe called King Hippo. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's from the Punch-Out!! boxing series I first appeared in uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out in 1987, 88, whenever wow. that came out. Um, does this not look like the Big Bad Hippo? It does, exactly. The body type. He even had like a patch of hair on his head that's kind of pointy like that yep. crown. The sort of hippo teeth. Yep. Yeah. So when I saw this, I was just like, oh, they're making a King Hippo joke. Oh, that's cute. I mean, kind of cute, yeah. but funny. In a monstrous sort of way. <laughs> in a, a cute 80s way. That's right. Uh, so Hippo um, is not as mm, articulate as the boulder and just yells, Hippo mad. Um, and boulder goes, listen up, Hippo. You may be big, but you ain't bad. The boulder's going to win this in a landslide. He's a good talker. He is. Oh, Mike and I quote him all the time. So the boulder launches rocks at hip- at the Hippo who um, catches them in his mouth and chomps them apart. Is that also from the video game? Uh, Chomping things with yeah, his hippo I mean, teeth. Yes, yes. <laughs> he so the hippo then jumps up and down and he rocks the stage underneath the boulder, and the boulder lifts up his hand like a mime, carrying a heavy, heavy weight. And the earth under the hippo breaks loose and lifts the hippo high above the stage, and the boulder is able to throw him off and he wins the round. It's super fascinating to see the different ways that they use earth bending. Right. Don't you think? Yeah, and it made me wonder. Like, I know you're not into sporting events, but like. Actually, I would watch this. Oh, yeah. Because there's a sort of creativity to it's not just like these two big people are going to hit each other till somebody falls down. But there is this sort of artistry to how are they you they, they all have this power. Yeah. How are they using this specific power to try to knock each other off? Yes. This I would want to sit there and look at their form and be like, what what are they doing with their arms to like make the earth move feet and feet mm. ahead of them. I will say the other thing this episode did is like I you know we often talk about like okay which which like type of bender would you want to be? This episode makes a good case for earthbender. Yeah. I feel like earthbenders can do some pretty crazy cool things. Right, cuz we've seen the practical side of earthbending, but this is more of an attack side. Mm-hmm. And it's just entertainment too. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um so 
uh, the boulder wins the round and Katara asks Aang, you know, like maybe the boulder could be your teacher. But Aang says he's not sure. And he has Boomy's voice kind of inside his mind. And he says, Boomy said, I need a teacher who listens to the earth. He's just listening to his big muscles. Not wrong. Then the next match is the boulder versus the Fire Nation man. I think the Fire Nation man is my favorite character. Okay. It's t- so funny. <laughs> t- talk about the Fire Nation man. And then I want to tell you where I think he comes from. Yes. Okay. So um, I, I described him as a rotund man mm-hmm. who's shirtless and he has mutton chops like we see a lot of the Fire Nation have. Uh, his hair is in a top knot. He's waving a red flag. He's wearing red just like Fire Nation soldiers. And he's getting the crowd to boo him. And um, he says, please rise for the Fire Nation National Anthem. And he starts singing a line, Fire Lord, my flame burns for thee. And the crowd boos even louder and Sokka like throws a rock at the stage. People are not pleased. So in in the 1980s, there was a wrestler Mm. named Nikolai Volkov. Oh. (laughs) And he was, uh, I mean, he's actually, I think the, the actual wrestler was from like Croatia but he patterned himself as like the Soviet yep. person, you know, and, and he was a heel, right? He, like, he was the like, uh, you have your Hulk Hogan's who are, you know, all American, whatever. And so I, I pulled up a picture of Nikolai Volkov, pictures of Nikolai Volkov. What he would do, he would have the uh, the Soviet flag. This, uh-huh. this picture's there's more to his story there. Uh, he would have the Soviet flag. He's definitely dressed as like the Soviet character and he would sing the Soviet national anthem. Oh. So, cause I remember when I first saw this, I was like, wait, at this earthbending tournament, there's a guy representing the Fire Nation. And then I realized like, oh, it's, it's, he's the heel. He's Nikolai Volkov. That's awesome. Yes. For me, with no background knowledge of WWE or anything like that, went over my head, but it's hilarious. So, there so, was never a part of me that was like, that's a Fire Nation soldier either. It's right. like, Clearly, this it's, is a, a role, it's a right? Yeah. So, so, so Volkov in the late '80s teamed up with the Iron Sheik, and, and they were like a tag team. Uh, a ta- they were like a champion tag tag team duo, and they would they would like criticize America. They were like America's greatest enemies, Iran and the Soviet Union. And yes, it, like little yes. theatrical monologues, like yes. between their. Fo- yes. Oh, amazing! I would okay. Maybe I should be watching these things. <laughs> you would maybe like the soap opera nature of this. I think at least I would. The, at least the 1980s geopolitical version of. It. I just need a good story and some good characters. <laughs> there That's you go. all I need. I'm um, also betraying the fact that I maybe watch some wrestling in the 80s as a little kid there is no shame here there's a little bit as adults we're watching a children's show so (laughs) touche (laughs) so the crowd um is booing Sokka throws a rock and the boulder just easily knocks this guy off the stage and Sokka's thrilled he's he's won over by the boulder and he says the boulder knows how to put the hurt in the dirt and then the next round continues and we see (laughs) This is great. A quick shot of a badger mole cleaning up the stage, like the debris that's left in the arena. Wonderful. Wonderful sort of use like of a badger mole. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, and the boulder continues to take out opponent after opponent. And we just yeah. see shots of him hitting people off of yeah, the ring. Yeah, so it's just like our, our – this is like the Karate Kid montage where exactly. it's like, hey, we need to get to the end of the tournament. So we're going to just yeah go through that. Yes, like we know by now he's real good. Then we get to the final round and it's announced that it's going to be the boulder, boulder versus your champion, the Blind Bandit. The name of the, the episode. Mm-hmm. And a young girl who's maybe around Aang's age enters the arena and she hoists the champion belt up high over her head. She is way shorter than anyone else on the stage. Um, and she has these kind of sideswept 
angsty kind of looking bangs. Uh, and her eyes are kind of glossy. And Katara says she can't really be blind. And Aang said, I think she is. And Sokka said, I think she's going down. Yeah. So we have the blind bandit, uh, now, an earthbender the who's way, blind. The way she's dressed, what does she make you think of? I don't know. What do you think? Man, so I've seen a picture of her because on Netflix, you know, like the the one that just represents Avatar. Right, like the sometimes, shot. Sometimes her. And I kept thinking, why, does, why is Link from Legend of Zelda <laughs> in Avatar? Yeah, true. I okay. That's very much the way she's dressed. And she has kind of a boyish style mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. I could totally see that. Um, it's, I also love that we get a callback to the badger moles as being yes. a, a blind animal and then having the blind bandit. Oh, be, I hadn't thought of that. And That's to like, great. she is in touch with the way that bending, earth bending began. Man, I missed that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super really cool. cool. Um, cause I think, I think we would have forgotten had we not seen that little Zamboni badger mole. Yeah. Right? It clearly didn't even connect with me, <laughs> but that's, that is really, because we're going to see how. The badger moles are the like the signature creature for earthbending, mm-hmm. and we're going to see how she is boomy level powers. Mm-hmm. So uh, the boulder says the boulder is feeling conflicted about fighting a young blind girl. I love the boulder. I love his quotes. And the uh, blind bandit said, "Sounds to me like you're scared, boulder." And then the boulder goes, the boulder's over his conflicted feelings, and now he's ready to bury you in a rock lanch And the blind bandit laughs at him, and she's like, whenever you're ready, pebble. And no, the pebble. And the pebble. So good. <laughs> and she starts to laugh, and we get uh, a shot of Aang who hears it and remembers the apparition in the swamp, that vision that he saw of a young girl um, who was dressed in white and who had the flying pig or mm-hmm. flying boar um, next to her. And it was that important person that he knows he'll meet, but he hasn't met yet. And I – did you – I know you've seen this before. Yes. But did you know when you f- saw her that that's – like I totally had forgotten that even though in the previously on they showed it. But then when they when they, when she laughed and they cut to that, I was like, oh, we're in for something cool. Yeah. I was so excited. I, I remembered all of that from last time. Um There was still mystery surrounding the flying boar for me. But we get that resolved in right. a little bit here. Uh, yeah, great moment. So the boulder takes a step towards her, and as his foot hits the ground, this series does a good job of showing us how different people see different things. Mm-hmm. And for her as a blind girl, we get to see how she senses, uh, in a way, uh, danger coming at her. It reminded me of when we would see through the eyes of June's creature. Yes, the where, smell. Yeah, where you like the colored scents and stuff. Like it's like we're yeah, we're getting to see how somebody else is experiencing the world. I loved it. Yeah, it so it was like black and white and when somebody's foot would touch the ground, it was almost like shockwave. Yes. Like, yeah. And it was like a grid her. and shockwaves. Yeah, it was and really cool. Everything is kind of slowed down too in slow motion cuz she's really good at waiting and listening. And so um he takes a step towards her. She feels his the vibrations of his foot hit the earth and then launches an immediate attack in his direction. And she's able to alter the earth under his step and forcing him into the splits. And then she easily just throws one more attack and hits him off the stage. Like he is, it is a battle that lasts very short. And Aang is impressed and he says, she waited and she listened. Mm-hmm. He found her. Yeah. <laughs> So exciting. So, so it makes you wonder, like, does Boomy know her? Oh, yeah, true. Or, I wonder. 
like like I don't know is Boomy is this is it general advice or specific advice that yeah, Boomy's giving? Like he had heard things or he had maybe met her or something. He seems like somebody who would have gone to one of these. <laughs> true. He seems like somebody who would have fought in one of these. <laughs> That's really true. Uh, so then Jin Fu, the announcer, offers a sack of gold pieces to anyone in the audience who's willing to fight and defeat the blind bandit. This is clearly something that happens every single time there's an Earth Rumble, right? Mm-hmm. And the crowd goes silent, except Aang shouts out, I will. And he enters the arena and the blind bandit taunts him immediately. And she said, do people really want to see two little girls fighting out here? So this is interesting because this is a theme that's going to go throughout this. And we've already started to see it a little bit. I mean, because uh, let's just name the bag that Sokka buys. It's very purse-like. True. Yes. Right? Um, and and this is, this is going to get called back. And there's a lot of language about like um, – Gender roles, gender expectations. Yes. Uh, and and what's interesting is even ways in which we will see the blind bandit, we'll learn more about her, how she both rebels against them, but has also internalized some of these things yep. because she's taunting Aang by calling him a girl. Like, oh, that makes you weak, even though she's a girl. Right. And I'm guessing she's probably around 12 years old. Yep. When I was 12, I made those same kind of jokes. Right. 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 And it's some and grew up in gendered society that we have right and even the way that the first time we met her she's in this beautiful white flowing dress and here she looks pretty boyish like Mm -hmm. you said she looks like link Mm -hmm. um so uh ang says i don't really want to fight you i just want to talk to you and Sokka boos from the audience boo no talking to which katara smacks him and then the blind bandit attacks but ang lightly jumps and hovers to another spot in the arena this was cool yeah. Because because it's also showing like he's uh, he's already started to understand a little bit. Right. It's like, okay, well, if I – because it's not like Aang always lands like that. But it's like, well, I know that if I land softly, you know, that, 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 she's, that she is hearing or feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then he – so he lands, but then what gives him away is that um, – he says something, right? And and so she says, somebody is a little light on his feet. What's your fighting name, Fancy Dancer? Again, light on your feet. Mm-hmm. This is a, a euphemism for being effeminate, mm-hmm. Fancy Dancer, right? Lots of this language. I'm uh, just going to point all these out no. as we go. So yeah, that, please do. It's also important to note that Aang is still dressed in the Earth Right. The, the, the Earth Kingdom garb. So he doesn't, he does not appear to be an airbender or the avatar. He's right. got the hat on and yeah. One of the things I love about Aang too is like he is getting these insults thrown at him and he just doesn't care. He mm-hmm. just brushes them right off. Like doesn't matter to him that he's, he's being called effeminate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she senses where he lands, uh, she sends a boulder at him and he airbends uh, immediately a defense and, and it, the boulder goes crashing back at her and launches her out of the ring. So Aang does best the blind bandit, uh, but he uses airbending. And he calls after her and he asks for her to teach him. Uh, but she's angry and she walks she walks away um, and she ends up kind of storming through. Um, does this cool move where she like opens a doorway in the rock, like yeah. in solid rock and then disappears. Yeah. This is where the earth bending is just so rad. Oh, you, it's like it's slamming a door. It's your way to manipulate everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then Aang goes back into the ring and he receives the money and the victory belt. And Sokka's very excited to be. Oh, he part runs of this. on stage as if he was the one who won. So then we see the gang walking through the streets the next day, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And Sokka is so pleased that his belt matches his bag. Or... So Sokka's wearing the belt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the belt and the, the purse, uh, the bag. 
And they enter the Earthbending Academy courtyard to try to question people about where they can find the blind bandit. And so they find those two teenage boys from earlier who are inside in their training by striking earth inside of jars. Seemed difficult. It, it seemed yeah. hard. <laughs> Good for you guys. Um, and they start to grumble when the Aang gang appears. But Katara pretends to attack and it scares them. And the boys say, hey, you're the kid who beat the blind bandit. And Aang asks where they can find her. And one of the boys says, the blind bandit's a mystery. She shows up to fight, then disappears. There's a lot of drama in his statement. And Katara lunges at one of the boys, pointing her finger at him without touching him, but clearly angry and says, you're not telling us everything. And the boy's like, no, no, no. No one knows where she is. So Aang thinks, you know, like, maybe they can search for her by her other identity because the blind bandit is just her character on stage. Uh, but maybe they can try to find the girl in the white dress that he saw in the vision with the flying boar. And at that, one of the boys says, oh, a flying boar. That's the symbol of the Beifong family. They're the richest people in town, probably the whole world. And the other boy says, but they don't have a daughter. And Aang's uh, excited to check on in, on in, in on this family anyway. So he sees uh, if uh, it'll lead, it to the, lead them to the bandit. And this excited me a little bit because – um, I'm really interested in when we get into class things. Yeah. Like we got this in the Great Divide. We saw definitely like a class division. Mm -hmm. um, and this sort of pointed to, oh, we're going to meet this extremely wealthy family. You know, in the same way that um, Zuko Azula, that family I presume is very, they're very powerful. I presume they're very wealthy. Here we're getting yet another mm -hmm. uh, vision of class. So I was really excited to see that. Yeah, it seems in this world there's, <clears throat> just extremes of class, really wealthy or more traditional style. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> Aang um, is excited to go check in on this family. So the gang leaves the courtyard and Katara motions two fingers to her eyes. And then I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's it's, the, like, I, it's like I got does. my eyes on you. Yeah, Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know why I just acted it out <laughs> to show you. <laughs> In case you didn't know what you saw. Yeah. Um, and Sokka follows her out the door and his arms are spread out and he has the most smug expression and he goes, water tribe. It's my favorite. This this might might be my favorite Sokka <laughs> moment. There's just something I'd love about the way he says that. I wish I could embody that moment myself. Oh, me too. I wish that was my confidence in every moment. My way of leaving a room. <laughs> water tribe. So back at the arena, the boulder is talking to Jin Fu. And he convinces him that something isn't right about the way that Aang was fighting the blind bandit. And he says, he struck without earthbending. Nothing made contact. The blind bandit just fell out of the ring. She must have split the money with the kid. And Jin Fu erupts in anger and he like punches the wall beside him because they believe they've been cheated. So then now we get to the home of the Beifong family and we get an aerial shot. It's beautiful. And it's like a, a big gated Mm -hmm. palatial Home. estate yeah yes outside of the city a little bit and there's an elaborate gate into the property and uh like manicured gardens gazebo pond the whole thing and there's two guards that stand outside the front door and above them is that golden emblem of the flying boar and the ang gang finds a quiet place to do their breaking and entering <laughs> which is ang just flying over the wall Sokka and katara climbing it's like that's guts to just go ahead and and break in but they did it. And they ran for cover in the trees in the garden. 
And uh, as they're hiding, the earth beneath them juts up and flings them into the air and then back into the ground again. And we see that the blind bandit had sensed that they approached. And she appeared above Aang, who was lying on the ground, sprawled out. And she said, what are you doing here, Twinkle Toes? Yet again. Um, Another one. And her hair is now up in a bun. And she's wearing more of a traditional robe or dress, Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of like what Song was wearing, but much more elaborate. Right. And um, more expensive looking. And Aang said, how did you know it was me? And Sokka goes, don't answer to Twinkle Toes. It's not manly. It's Great. just it's just layered in there, yeah. <laughs> Katara says, you're the one whose bag matches his belt. That's a, I love when Katara like throws shade because she right. does it well. Right. So Aang tells the, the blind bandit that a crazy king told him that his earthbending master would listen to the earth and then try to explain. And then he tried to explain his vision to her. But he's doing it so frantically. He's so excited to meet this person of his vision that it's, it's kind of like when Aang was giving his defense and he's like, <laughs> he all the information's there, but just in a really bad way. Yes. He like lost all of his smooth yeah. uh, Aang self. And Katara cuts in with a little more tact and says, Aang's the avatar. And if he doesn't master earthbending soon, he won't be able to defeat the Fire Lord. To which the blind bandit says, not my problem. No, I thought this was interesting. I thought her initial take on this was interesting because she is in this protected world, we'll see, mm-hmm. right? She breaks out of it to be the blind bandit, but she's in this protected world. She's one of the richest families in the world, kind of insulated potentially from the mm-hmm. politics and threat of the Fire Lord. Either she doesn't know what that means or or it is almost like this kind of privilege of like, yeah. you know what? Fire Lord's going to affect all these other people maybe, but like not us. Yeah. She's super interesting as a character because of the privilege she comes from, but also because of her protections of her for her disability are, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's super fascinating. Uh, but Sokka says, we all have to do our part to win this war and yours is to teach Aang earthbending. And so the blind bandit takes on this helpless kind of scared tone and starts yelling for the guards to come help her. And the gang scatters. And then we get just the most patronizing, like, young adult male guards run up to her. And they say, you know your father doesn't want you wandering the grounds without supervision, Toph? And uh, so we learn her name is Toph. And then we go inside the Beifong home and Toph's father and mother, whose names we never learn, but they're sit, uh, sitting cross-legged on these kind of elevated seats, almost thrown like um, in their living room. And they're wearing elaborate robes and hair pieces. And they're speaking to Master Yu and Toph, who both sit in chairs kind of below them, across from them. And Toph's father is glad that she's taking earthbending lessons from Master Yu, uh, but he, he insists to Master Yu that they don't do anything too dangerous. Right, because this is that sort of protection insulation, right? Mm-hmm. And Master Yu says, oh, no worries. I'm keeping her at the beginning level. Um, basic forms, breathing exercises only. And Toph listens the whole time quietly, but you can tell she's stewing. She looks upset. And a man enters the room and says that they have a visitor. And Mr. Beifong goes, well, who thinks they're so important that they can just come to my home unannounced? And the man says, well, um, it's the Avatar, sir. I love the fact that at this point they can use the av- being the Avatar to gain access. Like yeah. that's actually pretty cool because they spent so much time like hiding it, hiding it, hiding it. And it's like, no, actually, I can probably just walk in here if I am that. Yes, exactly. So we cut to a scene of the Beifong family, Master Yu and Aang, and the Aang trio. They're all at an elaborate dinner in the home. And the father asks the attendant to blow on Toph's soup to cool it. 
And Aang says, allow like you roll me. your eyes this entire reading of this I, family. Hey, oh, it's so rough. Aang, it's like... Mm. It's, yeah, I I can't. So Aang says, allow me, and uh, very smoothly sends a small gust of wind across the table and cools her soup for her. And the Beifong parents and Master Yu do this, like, polite little golf clap kind of for him. <laughs> I love the next part. <laughs> the next scene is so good um, because it's so, it's so comical that this is being asked of a 12-year-old. But uh, Mr. Beifong goes, in your opinion, to Aang, how much longer do you think the war will last? They're just having this polite. It it is so high society, don't you think? Yeah, and and I would say he like his daughter, it, like he's he's interested in what's happening in the world, but it doesn't seem like there is the desperation when other yes. people talk about this. It's almost like talking about yeah, high society ivory tower like out of touch with what's actually happening mm-hmm. and to say like how are things going to the avatar? Like as if yeah. it's just a polite conversation at a dinner table. Yeah. I really don't like this family, Sam. I like Toph, but that's it. So Aang said, I'd like to defeat the Fire Lord by the end of summer, but I can't do that without finding an earthbending teacher first. So matter of fact. And uh, the father suggests Master Yu, who's been teaching Toph since she was little. I love what Aang does with this. <laughs> what does he do? Well, he turns it around and says, oh, well, if he's been teaching her since she was little, then she's probably a powerful earthbender. Right. So he, he redirects it back to Toph instead of, like, he just drops Master Yu as a possibility. Oh, it's great. Uh, yes. And and at when he says Toph must be a great earthbender, Toph slams her foot on the floor like she's kicking him from under the table, right? Uh, but using earthbending. And she sends the earth flying up at Egg's legs. And he jumps up in pain and no one at the table knows what to do, but they are all these polite, rich people that just sit there and kind of uncomfortably look at each other across the table. Toph is really smooth about it. She doesn't flinch. She doesn't change her expression. She just keeps eating her cooled soup. And the father says, sadly, because of her blindness, I just don't think she'll ever become a true master. And Aang exchanges, uh, the Aang gang all exchange looks. And when Aang is about to say more about Toph's skills, she sends another earthbending kick under the table that launches Aang's head into the soup bowl in front of him. And again, the Beifong parents are like, oh, something disrupted our nice dinner. Uh, and but at lo- the same time, it's the Avatar. So it's like <laughs> you can't just dismiss them. Yeah, it's this guest that is causing havoc. But like, it's the Avatar. And so Aang then airbend sneezes all the food that he landed in across the table. And it smacks Toph in the face as kind of his form of revenge. I love the like superpower benders having this sort of polite like in this polite space having this bending fight yes it's kind of awesome and kind of no one is really clued in on it except for the two of them um so ang and Toph then both yell at each other almost in unif- in unison what's your problem and the mother awkwardly suggests they move into the living room for dessert <laughs> so it's nighttime and uh clearly the Be- beifong family has a lot of money and a lot of rooms so they offer the ang gang a room to stay overnight and Aang is saying goodnight to Appa. I think this is the first time we see Appa this episode, just outside so, of the yeah. window, saying goodnight. And Toph enters the room silently, and it, it scares Aang when he turns around and sees her. And she apologizes for dinner, and she says, let's go on a walk in the gardens. And so outside, um, they're in their picturesque gardens, uh, and she leads him across the pond. She's leading him. Uh, through her backyard. And she's like walking up on this ledge. Yeah. You know, yeah. Of the bridge. Yeah. Uh, over water. Yep. Yep. 
um, and doing like a balancing act on it. And she said, even though I was born blind, I've never had a problem seeing. I see with earth bending. It's kind of like seeing with my feet. I feel the vibrations of the earth and I can see where everything is. You, that tree, even those ants. And Aang is impressed and he, he looks around. He can't even see the ants himself. She says, my parents don't understand. They've always treated me like I was helpless. And Aang said, is that why you became the blind bandit? Why stay here if you aren't happy? And he offers that she could come with him. But she keeps saying, like, this is my family. This is my lot, really. And she says, you guys get to go wherever you want. No one telling you what to do. That's the life. It's just not my life. It does make you wonder why she's stuck, though. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, well, I guess she's 12. Right. Right. But Anne has been, like, isolated her whole life. It has and hasn't, though. Because clearly she... How did she get to the the other uh, rumbles? True. You know? Because at number six, she's already the champ. Yeah. So, like, she has this sort of secret life, but maybe it's only that. I think it must be because no one knows who she is, right? Like, right, even those true. boys were like, they don't have a daughter. That's true. That's true. Um. So, suddenly, though, Toph... Uh, whips her head around and touches the ground and she says we're being ambushed and she grabs Aang's hand and they run through the gardens uh and <laughs> i had to look up this term so i didn't know how to use words to describe it but you know when a mole is like in your yard mm-hmm. and there's like yeah. the mole tunnels yeah that's what's coming through the ground behind them chasing them apparently they're called surface runways i would have said it's like when bugs bunny is like burrowing <laughs> underground but that's again like a 1970s <laughs> reference so. yes uh and and this mole tunnel gets out in front of them and a man jumps out of it and he's one of the rumble fighters from earlier um and then two iron crates drop on top of them from above and they're like the iron crates that boomy was in yeah yes to try to stop earthbending from being possible right well and yeah and what's interesting is like it makes me think of like how powerful um like iron must be right because like like it and it, and i think about iron is it's not i mean iron is a natural thing right it's an element but it's also like the like the benders seem so in touch with nature with earth mm. water fire air and these seem like these industrial un, you know that this is where you could trap somebody it also reminds me of the fire nation ships yeah like what they're made of it reminds me too of the the sun and the moon and how when one sets that impacts mm-hmm. the firebenders or the waterbenders uh so yeah they're in these iron kind of cages or crates and we see that they were dropped on them by Earth Rumble fighters that are up on top of the the fence surrounding the property. And later that night, then, Katara, Sokka, the Beifong parents, and Master Yu search for Aang and Toph. They've been missing for a while. And they find a note pierced in the ground with a long knife. And it reads, if you want to see your daughter again, bring 500 gold pieces to the arena. And it's signed Jin Fu and the Boulder. And at this, Sokka grabs the note and he looks serious and he says, I can't believe it. I have the boulders autograph. And he like That's runs off on his own towards the camera, dramatically holding it into the sky. And Toph's mother, meanwhile, falls to her knees um, in, in sorrow and says, poor Toph, she must be so scared. Then we cut to Toph in the metal cage beside Aang, hoisted high above the arena so that there's no contact with the earth. And she's yelling, you think you're so tough? Why don't you come up here so I can smack that smile off your face? Clearly, she can handle it. What's interesting, uh, you know, and this is this is 
I know you don't like these parents, but <laughs> I will say this also just does speak to as a parent mm-hmm. how desperately you want to protect your children and how unaware you are of their lives. I'm always amazed when I'm talking with my kids uh, and they're 13 and 15 and it's like they'll bring something up and I'm like, how do you know about that? And it's not even something. It's just like they'll reference a song or a movie or yeah. something. I'm like, how do you know that song? You know, uh, and, 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 and I just realized like oh, they have this whole life. But in my head, I can't see that. Right. There's some like limited version of that. Yeah. And it's the way when you see your parents and you feel like, wow, they treat me like I'm eight. It's like, yeah. And, it's, you know, so so I mean, I don't want to defend no. them because they're indefensible. <laughs> they really are. But like but it is interesting how like this is a picture of that. And especially if you're thinking about this as a kid show. Right. Yeah. That it's teaching kids a little bit. Um, about this is maybe how your parents see you. Yeah. And even if you feel like you're older now, they're still, their mode is in such a, I need to protect, I need to protect, to the extent that they don't even understand that living in their house is the most powerful person in the city. Right, right. And it, yes. Most powerful fighter in the city, I should say. And it's out of love, but it's, yes, it's, but it's complicated. Misguided. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... At that, uh, after Toph is done yelling, Sokka, Katara, and then the rest of them, the Beifong family, enter the arena stage, and Sokka hands over the money. And Jinfu lowers Toph's cage and lets her free, but he holds up a scroll that has Aang's face on it, which is, I guess, a wanted poster. It says, I think the Fire Nation will pay a hefty price for the Avatar. And Katara and Sokka then reach for their weapons to fight. But the Earth Rumble fighters emerge from the darkness, and they outnumber Katara and Sokka. At this point, the Beifong, I guess it's just her father, Master Yu, and Toph have already exited the ring. So Katara runs after Toph, uh, and she says, we need you. And Toph's father turns around down this hallway and says, my daughter is blind. She is blind and tiny and helpless and fragile. She cannot help you. The mm. Right. <laughs> And at that, Toph drops her dad's hand and walks towards Katara and Sokka and says, yes, I can. And the rumble fighters uh, are exiting the ring. They're holding, the hippo is holding Aang's cage high above his head. They're about to leave with their new reward. And Toph yells, let him go. I beat you all before and I'll do it again. And the boulder (laughs) says one of the most quotable lines of the entire series the boulder takes issue with that comment. Mike and I say it all the time to each other. Uh, the hippo tosses Aang's cage to the side of the ring, and the group of the fighters charge at the kids. And Katara and Sokka are about to start running towards them, but Toph holds out her arms and says, wait. Wait and listen, huh? And then she says, they're mine. So she lifts her arms up straight out in front of her, and she stomps on the earth, and she causes these large portions of the ring to kind of fly up underneath the fighters' feet in front of her. And what she creates is a foggy battlefield, right? So no one can see anything happening. Because to her, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she, she, yes, exactly. Um, and her dad and Master Yu, meanwhile, are watching from afar. They're like in the, the splash zone, <laughs> um, kind of shocked at what they're seeing. And again, we see images of how Toph sees. So every move of the fighters is in slow motion, and she anticipates each of their attacks by just listening to them and feeling the earth. And meanwhile, as she's attacking, Katara and Sokka are trying desperately to open Aang's metal cage. Um, And I will say a lot of this fight, you talked about like the, we get like the Toph vision and we get the slow motion. A lot of this 
owes a lot to sort of the visual iconography of like the matrix. There's a lot of like things are happening fast and then it slows down mm. and like she's reading the things that are happening. The rocks just barely going by her face. And yes. These types of, so it's, so it's a lot of the, like the, the bullet motion stuff from the matrix. Absolutely. And it's a pretty cool fight scene. There's a lot happening. Absolutely. Aang is finally freed by Katari and Sokka and he's ready to help. But as they're about to help Toph, they realize like, She's made a literal pile out of all of the fighters. And uh, Master Yu from the audience goes, I never knew. Your daughter's amazing. And the fog still kind of floats around the arena. So Toph does this cool thing where she lifts her hands and then just releases them. And all of the smoke and the fog settles. And she can see now that there's, well, she she can't see. Right. Oops. We can see. Misspoke. <laughs> we can see that uh, her last opponent is Jin Fu. And he... um. He holds his own for a little bit, but only really a minute longer before he's also defeated by Toph. And from the audience, you says, she's the greatest earthbender I have ever seen. And her father stares and is shocked. So I would say up to this point, mm. again, I'm going to defend the parents as like incapable of understanding yeah. their, not incapable. Uh, they just, they they see their daughter through the eyes of her as a smaller child than she is of something they have to protect and cherish right, right? the indefensible stuff is coming <laughs> <laughs> right this is why i've been just angry this whole time is is coming so at the Beifang home toph is standing again before her father and mother they're seated on their throne like seats and she is before them and she says dad i know it's probably hard for you to see me this way but the obedient little helpless blind girl you think i am that just isn't me I love fighting. I love being an earthbender. And I'm really, really good at it. I know I kept my life secret from you, but you were keeping me secret from the whole world. I'm That's a dagger. Yeah. Yes. When there are people that don't even know they have a daughter. That's so... Because that's a sign of shame. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You were keeping me secret from the whole world. I'm 12 years old and I've never had a real friend. And at that, the in-gang exchanges glances again from the side of the room. And she said, now that you see who I really am, I hope it doesn't change the way you feel about me. And her father says, of course not. Of course, it doesn't change the way I feel. And so I'm on board. But he says he realizes that she's had far too much freedom and needs to be guarded 24 hours a day. And the father has their attendant escort the the gang outside and said they're no longer welcome here. I was realizing how often that gets said to them in this in this show. Like, there's just a moment where it's like, you should probably leave now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Those meddling kids. And uh, Aang looks over his shoulder and he says, I'm sorry, Toph. And she says, I'm sorry, too. And then we see her quietly cry. Heartbreaking. So then we go to the Aang gang. They're outside at night. They're about to board Appa and travel who knows where. And Katara and Aang are trying to comfort each other while Sokka and Momo sit on Appa's saddle and Sokka's shining his belt, still obsessed. He loves things, though. Mm-hmm. Things and it's identity. It's a great prop. Yes. He, that, is, that is really interesting. I hadn't thought of it, but to follow up last time, he has now added props <laughs> and that's a and, and it's shaping how he acts. He's the boulder when he wears it, right? Yeah. Like he's a warrior. <laughs> And then Aang jumps um, up onto Appa and, and they're about to fly off, but he hears panning nearby and Toph is running toward them in the dark. And she said, my dad changed his mind. He said I was free to travel the world. 
And I think Katara and Sokka both look at each other like, mm, okay, this can't be true. And this is an interesting moment where I wonder, like, okay, as a kid's show, <laughs> is this one where, like, as adults, we're like, yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, did is it... Uh, nine-year-old are they open to the fact that oh maybe he did change his mind true yeah you know because but it's so clear when he's when she says that it's like nothing about anything that i have ever seen about this person (laughs) or humanity at all (laughs) right would change his mind not just to the extent of like he's gonna let me earthbend but he's gonna let me just travel the world with these random people (laughs) yes some of the most dangerous people in the world people who he said you are not welcome in my home anymore um, so Katara and Sokka aren't fooled, but they go along with it and they say, let's leave before he changes his mind again. But before they leave, Toph wants to show Aang one more thing. So he gladly jumps off of Appa, excited maybe for a lesson that he would get, a little quick earthbending lesson. But as soon as his feet touch the ground, Toph earthbends him right up into the tree and says, now we're even and I'll take my belt back. And so Sokka tosses her the thing that he has fallen in love with. Uh, but he throws it at her and it hits her in the head and she falls to the ground. Rough. <laughs> feel like we might get more of those kind of jokes moving forward. But back at the Beifong house, uh, the father commissions Master Yu and Jin Fu to find his daughter, who is kidnapped, he said, by the Avatar. And he offers them yet another chest of gold pieces. We should count how many That's chests right. of gold pieces there are. So do you think... That he thinks she was kidnapped, or do you think that he thinks she escaped? I think he thinks she escaped. Okay. Do you? What do you yes, think? Yes, because he saw that display of power. Yeah. And like, like, yes. She I, is. She has escaped before, right? right? To go to the Earth Rumble, she can do it again. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because um, reali- you think she left a note? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying from what you know about her from this episode, do you think she just left or do you think she left a note and left? Um, She just left. Okay. I don't think she said anything to them okay. about leaving. Okay. I don't know. I like, I, I don't, I don't have a feeling. I would, I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um. Also, because for her to leave a note, presumably she would have to have had somebody write it. Right. Or and, and there's no way she would trust somebody else. Right, exactly. Because it seems like there's no one there she trusts. Also, it doesn't seem like she's, yeah, like buddy-buddy with the patronizing guards. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and, and he says, do whatever it takes to bring her home in a menacing way. And then we get one last quick scene of the Aang gang flying off in the night on Appa, but this time they now have Toph in their gang. And that's how it ends. Wow. So, uh, observations, themes from this episode. I love, I love that she is the blind bandit. I love that that's a callback to the badger moles. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's, it's like kind perfect. of beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and you can see why Boomy said, this is who you need to learn from. Yeah. And it's not that he's saying, oh, there's somebody more powerful than I, but it's like, this is what Aang needs to learn. Yeah. This is because Aang doesn't need Aang probably can't learn real earthbending from Boomy. Mm. He has to learn it because he has to learn to slow down, to listen, to pay attention. Yeah. And he's going to become better at his own form of fighting, which is like evading and avoiding. Right. Like he has to be careful about where he steps and what his sounds are like, what sounds he's making. Like she she already taught him 
a little bit yep. when they were first fighting in the arena. Absolutely. Uh, another thing is that we now have a new set of enemies chasing them. Yes. Because now we have we It's have like these the pirates two. from last season. Exactly. But yeah. but but there's even more of a little carryover here, right? So mm-hmm. like so we 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 know we have Zuko after them. We know we have Azula after them. We have the Fire Nation after them. Now we have these two earthbenders after them. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Uh the gang has expanded. That's that's the biggest thing for me is this is the first time since Momo that mm. somebody was added to the group. Ooh, true. And it feels like this could be for a while. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if if she's part of this the rest of the show. I yeah. don't know. But like it, it's conceivable the rest of this season she's with them. Mm-hmm. And the person they added, instead of being sort of a, a helpless castaway that they need to protect, is somebody who is the opposite of that. Yeah. Who is more capable than... She's as capable as Aang is, seems yes, to be. But society would look at her as a helpless right. castaway. Would you say they might underestimate her? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people don't understand her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I yes. also love, I mean, this is the second time we've had, we've been introduced to a character with a disability, but because we have Teo as well, right. right? But that that disability is not the central thing about them. No. Because I keep forgetting, I mean, they, they, what's cool about it is, is she is clearly blind and they address it mm. and they even do some things where her blindness is an issue, right. right? Even things like the dropping the belt, it's like, yeah, I still can't see. Yes. You know, but at the same time, it doesn't hinder her. Right. Right. It's part of her character, but it doesn't hinder her. She can still move throughout the world. She's... Not somebody I'm particularly worried about. No, she seems like the most capable of all right. of them. So I love that. I, I really love that. Um, we Aang now has his teacher, which is, you know, like I was wondering how long is, because we spent all of episode one waiting to get to a waterbending teacher. Mm. And here we are or in season one. Here we are season two. This is the fifth episode of season two or sixth episode of season two. And we already have the teacher. Yeah. So that means earthbending Training can happen now. Mm-hmm. It can start right away. That's exciting. Which I'm kind of like, where are you going to go now? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like where are they headed other than yes. other than they are being chased? <laughs> right. Like, they need to get out of there. Right. Maybe but- bossing say at some point? Can we? Oh, true. Can we make our way there? It is like the last stronghold, right? So. Yeah. I, I mean, it's act- actually, I, that question hadn't occurred to me, but that's the big one is like, where are they flying to now? Because- before it had been, you need to find an earthbending teacher. They have it. Now they need to find a safe place to earthbend. Right. And who and Bossing Say would make sense for that, but maybe it's somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe we need to explore other parts of that earth continent. Because it's more about the journey. That's right. <laughs> uh, two other things that I have. Well, we talked about the gender roles and stereotypes. That's, oh. that's obviously a huge one. Yes. Um, no Zuko. Right. Uh we uh, we left him on his own, right? Right, right. And I, this occurred to me when I got to the end of this episode. No Azula. We haven't seen Azula in a while. Oh yeah, right. Like when we when we had our return to Amashu, um, it's like oh she seemed like this is our big bad for the episode. She's going to be on their tail. She has her team, but she hasn't been around. I mean, I guess it's similar to Zhao, right? He would come in and out throughout. Yeah, last but I, season. Azula felt because Zuko. 
seemed to have abdicated his position, uh, I thought Azula would be more like Zuko mm. than like Zhao. Yes. And they spent so much more time on building her character. She has her two friends. Wait, two friends. Yeah. 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 So so I'm actually surprised. I'm assuming Azula's coming. We'll get her soon. Must I would, be, I right? Would, I would think so, right? Because uh, it is sort of strange that we... Because I don't think last season we went... Two episodes without Zuko coming back. Right. We would have a Zuko-less episode and then he would come on strong the next one. And it's not like he had the entire power of the Fire Nation military behind him. Right. But he had some stuff. Mm-hmm. He had some resources. She does have everything. Right, right. So, so sh- she should be able to find them, you'd think. Yeah. So so it is interesting because now we have Iroh in mm. one place, Zuko in another place, Azula and her team in another place. We have the Ang gang going who knows where, being followed by these other two. There's a lot of chips on the board right now, a lot of pieces on the board right mm-hmm. now. So I'm interested storytelling-wise sort of where this is going to go, which I think we should then point to the title for the next episode. Yes. So what is the title for the next episode? Zuko Alone. So I can read into that, and it, this may be the angless episode that we had we had talked about. Like the, that, it sounds like we're going to be either only having Zuko storyline, or at least the central storyline is going to be what happens to Zuko after leaving Iroh, mm-hmm. which is really exciting to think about. Yes. Um. Wow. I'm. I actually. I cannot wait to watch that episode. I know. I'm, I might like go home after this and watch it yeah. right away. And to pull back the curtain, so when we record these, we're 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 still recording two episodes a week because we want to try to get as many in the can before Annie moves to the other side of the earth. Yes. Because we'll have to finish this over Zoom, but we want to do as much in person as we can. So we're still going to be recording two episodes a week. Um, and we take turns who does the notes for the episode, and that is a hefty job. So I get the I get the Zuko alone notes to write. So I'm actually really excited about that. I am so happy you get that. Also because you've had the Great Divide. <laughs> just, this is just, to make up for the Great Divide. Yes, I believe I had the Blue Spirit though too. So that's true. I had some good ones. That's true. And really, truly, the rest of season two, like I don't, I can't think of any clunkers. That's the thing that excites me the most is is the things that I've heard from people is once season two gets going and it felt like this episode was, the, like I said, the back half of this episode just felt like, oh, mm. things are happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we said, we have so many pieces on the board. I'm really, really excited to see where this goes. That is all the time that we have for this week. Uh, if you're enjoying this. Well, if you're listening to this, I presume this isn't the first episode you listen to because that would be weird. Um, but maybe you're a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender and you loved this episode. So mm. you're like, oh, I'd like to hear what they have to say about this. Uh, you can go to avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com. You can a- you can access every episode uh, there. You can leave comments. Um, you can email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Channel 3900 Podcast Network. We have lots of great stuff. Coming out every week, multiple times a week. You know what's coming out tomorrow on the network? The uh, Rashomon episode uh, of Video Store, which I talked about last week. Um, as we're recording this, we have not yet recorded it, but I know it's <laughs> going to be a great episode. It is uh, it is uh, one of the great films of all time in a Kira Kurosawa movie. It's 
It's amazing. Referenced multiple times in this podcast. Yeah. On multiple episodes of this yep. podcast. I have a feeling John O'Brien is a fan of it. Um, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> what does your that. heart tell you? It sure seems like it because he did two episodes that made me think of Rashomon. <laughs> so I think he's fascinated with that concept. So listen to that. Subscribe to the network. And we will be back next week with book two, chapter seven. Zuko alone. Zuko alone. 